Charles has probably perfected this. You're fired. You got that down? <laughs> now Brian does that. When, when is it time to make a change in franchise developments? Coming up next. I think this will be a popular topic. When is the time to make a change in franchise development? And so I'll tee it up this way. I think brands often blame the wrong thing and the wrong thing often blames the wrong thing. And so this blame game continues to grow on franchise development, meaning oftentimes when someone is let go, oftentimes, not always, they're let go and they're like, you're not selling enough franchises. But if you back up and you say, what was the goal for the year? Most likely the goal was unrealistic in the first place. And so the salesperson holds on for as long as they can. If you back up even further, there's usually chinks in the business armor, meaning the business model isn't as sound as it probably should be. And then if you go to the blame game, um, which we've been we've been on this side plenty of times, I'm not selling franchises. It's our agency's fault. It's like, look, I mean, if your franchisees don't make money, they don't validate, uh, and your costs are out of line. I mean, we can we can try to get you press, and I'm sure you have good stories. Uh, we can get you buzz, but you know that's that's not art. It's not our job at the end of the day to get it sold. So it's a like it ultimately franchise sales is super complex because goals are pulled out of the sky. Sales teams aren't given the right tools to win and they they blame everything around them to keep their job a little bit longer, which I think contributes to turnover. So Charles, when is the right time to make a change both with people and process and support suppliers opinions? Yeah, on on the flip side of all of this, right? <laughs> when things are going well, are, are people getting credit when they they really don't deserve it? Or you know, franchise sales are going great, great macroeconomics. Is the sales team, the PR team, maybe even a legal team getting too much credit for helping out? So, I mean, it's a broad topic, Nick. I mean, right? And then if we go into th this, is all connected to organizational goals, who's the president of the company, who's in charge of Fran, Dev, and, and, and you know, the overall team. And this is more about building a rock solid management team, right? Because if you don't have that, then all of this other stuff is noise. Yeah. And my, okay. So it, it, it is a big topic. I think if you're sitting, if you're the CEO, you're the founder and you're, th you're pointing at your salesperson and like, they're not doing enough deals. I think step one is to look at the pipeline and step two is to say who's responsible for that pipeline. I was talking with a franchise salesperson uh, yesterday, done incredible work for this brand, 200 units developed uh, north of a million dollar investment, did all the right things. And he was in charge of the funnel. He was given a budget. He put his budget to work. 
it drove the deals in his team processed them and got them closed they make a change and they say marketing is now in charge of your funnel marketing makes cuts they make changes marketing believes in last click attribution uh their lead they just had their worst lead month in the history of their company this change happened uh three or four months ago so and i said look you're experiencing the 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 headwinds now you used to have tailwinds in your lead generation now you're going to face headwinds because if the buying process is three to six months from impression to inquiry watch what happens over the next few months your your pipeline's going to start drying up him he got he got stripped of he's not in charge of it and so he goes into a board meeting and they start yelling at him saying he's not getting enough deals I said, dude, you got to you got to punch back and say, but you stripped out. I'm not in charge of the funnel. And so I use that example because you said management team. If you as a CEO or founder are saying that development person is not doing their job. It's probably not just the development person. It's your ops person who's not working on unit level economics. And it's your marketing person who's not driving people in for the chance to to convert those those deals. Or it could be you, the founder, who's not doing enough to to set your franchisees up for success. Well, let, let's add some clarity, right? So when you're in your example, when you're referring to the marketing person or not, what marketing are you referring to? Consumer marketing. Oh, you're saying in the in the scenario that I just said, mm -hmm. development marketing. They so talk a development marketing. So that would be lead generation for franchise sales used to report into this person management team stripped that away and said we're going to let that go over to the marketing team the consumer marketing team they're going to be in charge of lead generation now because they're studying attribution the consumer marketing team is failing at franchise lead generation the franchise sales lead is getting blamed for not doing deals but why would consumer marketing team do friend friend dev it happens in, I would say, 30% of the brands that we work with, it goes over to marketing. Of those, I'd say, and this is good, 80% of the consumer marketing lead is invested in the health of the business. So the CMO says, let's go drive sales because good volumes, unit level economics is going to help franchise development. So they work cohesively as a team. In the 30% case, they don't know how to market for franchise sales. They look at it like selling a cookie. So like we bought a Facebook ad, we better get a lead. And they, they don't understand how that funnel works. And ultimately the salesperson gets blamed. So now let, let, let's, uh, let's assume we're equipping the salesperson for this meeting, this board meeting, right? So at a macro level management team, shifted the friend dev marketing to the consumer team. Okay. So now I go into this board meeting. What are some of the KPIs I'm going to present to the board as, Hey, this is the genesis of our issue. I mean, if, if it's my presentation now, let me, let me back up. It is ridiculous that this even happens by the way, like, in this life that we live, this is all just political bullshit. But 
if I'm preparing someone for that meeting, I say, you got to go in with, with three, three main slides. Slide one is what did lead generation look like? And not just lead generation, not the generational lead, but the facilitation of the, and the nurturing of the candidate all the way through to franchisee. What did it look like when it all reported into you? And now where does it look like today? But you got to report on two things. One, you, if you have a sales team that, that a, a team, like there's more than one person, talk about how many proactive outreaches you've done because the board can come back and say, great on reactive, you can blame marketing, but what is your team doing to proactively do lead generation? Which a lot of people like go on LinkedIn uh, and use that as a tool. That's one. Um, so what are you doing proactively? And then what's happening with the facilitation of the leads? What, what is happening, happening reactively can give some good insights to that board that says, you know, even, even if for whatever reason they're slowing down a little bit, um, if they're, if there's, if, if the leads are not moving through the funnel fast enough, that could be uh, a marketing impact as well. You know, I, who would you blame if we're not selling enough multi units to existing franchisees? Here it goes. C CEO. Because okay. again, the reason you're not selling multi-unit operators is because your unit level economics aren't strong. So where does unit level economics come from? It doesn't come from franchise sales. It comes from marketing, getting someone in the door and operations, treating that customer in a great way to go facilitate it. And above that, it's the founder strategy or the CEO strategy for do we have a point of differentiation in the marketplace? So, so if the I'm that salesperson, right? I think I'd be looking at what's our ratio there because if we have strong sales to existing franchisees, I think that's a great indicator and lever on your point, unit level economics. So if that, so if there's strength there or our unit level economics are strong, I, I think that's a good objective KPI or indicator to try to evaluate where there's a disconnect, right? So if you don't have strong uh, existing franchisee sales, to your point, there may be poor unit level economics. Um, and if they are strong, right? If I have strong sales to existing franchisees, I am going to be ruthless with outside vendors and lead gen. I'm going to be like, Nick, my KPIs are off the chart. We have franchisees buying their third, fourth, and fifth location. We should be selling... 10 times more at a fraction of the acquisition cost. Yes. I want a lower budget and double deals. So I, I'm not I, saying that's legit, but I'm saying I think I you think need to look I think you need to look at objective factors, right? I think that is legit though, because yeah. and that's I've I've said this before. The number one source of lead generation is your current franchisees. Even if you have one. You brought, I brought on Charles and Charles like, Nick, I love this thing. I need to scale to unit two. Well, what does that mean? Charles knows the secret and believes in the business and knows how much money this can kick off. That's why Charles continues to invest. And so if that's not happening, if your existing franchisees aren't expanding, 
you've just made it more difficult. And what's fascinating is these brands spend so much energy to go get new franchisees versus saying, how do we give a little bit more support to our existing franchisees to help facilitate their movement through the funnel? And so like franchisees sell franchises. And so if you, if you have that and you came to me and said, we need to double down, I'd say, I agree. I'd say, let's go to your website. Why doesn't it have all your existing franchisees in, in like a slider saying, Charles bought more, Charles bought more, Charles bought more, Char whoever it is, Nick bought more. Because they don't leverage that story. And so the CEO oftentimes discounts two very valuable sales to the system. One, the existing franchisee, they typically don't commission as high on those. I would almost commission higher. If you got existing franchisees, not only buying more territory, but opening more territory, that impacts your business stronger because the cost of doing business continues to stay stable because you don't need more people to support that franchisee. And two, often dismisses the value of the resale. Resale, in my opinion, is the most beautiful part of franchising because it's a protected business that had value at the end, even if it didn't perform well, a resale means it didn't close and it handed off to someone else, whether it's an existing franchise owner or new blood. That's a huge win because you, you're, you, you built a brand that has value. Right. And, but in, in getting to your initial question of when is it time to change your sales team, right? I Using this as a barometer or KPI, I think you have to do, if you're going to decide, is it at a macro organizational level or sales team level, I think a good truth, objective factor is existing franchisee multi-unit ownership. And that'll shed light on onto unit level economics. And it'll shed light on how valuable your franchise is and how amplified it should be in sales. And, and so if I don't have, that, I mean, I think that's the truth in franchising. If you don't have those multi-unit, multi-territory sales to franchisees coming back, I think it's a good indicator to evaluate your strength and weakness. And if you have strong multi-unit franchisees and your friend dev is, is underperforming, then that's where I'm going to start blaming the sales team well, and I'm going to evaluate my marketing vendors and my PR. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because if you have the strongest asset in franchising, which is existing franchisees continuing to invest in your brand, and you're not growing with new blood, then your positioning is off, your messaging is off, your storytelling is off, and your franchise sales team. And it, it's very possible they don't, they don't know how to sell off of that. So they need they they need some some work, but again, like I think, I think brand we've been trained as humans uh, that if you're not growing, you're dying. But sometimes taking a step backwards and saying let's let's pause, not not turn off, let's not overcommit into franchise development, let's overcommit into existing franchisee success, because you might it's 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 like a teeter totter. You may be able to go get 10 new franchisees, but you can also rotate it over and get 10 existing franchisees to expand by giving them some extra love, you know? 
Yeah, no, I look, I, I, I think that's the focal point are those franchise sales. And I see it. In fact, as we're speaking, I'm thinking of some amazing client brands we represent. And I could tell you they're, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the opportunity because if I look at their deal flow the past six, 12 months, half of it are deals to existing franchisees right. buying more locations. Exactly what it should be. Yeah. And so when, when do you, when do you, when do you make a change or, or terminate your franchise salesperson? In my opinion, the number one, like, it depends on the size of your team, obviously. The number one thing a salesperson has to be able to do is convey confidence to the candidate and help develop candidates, not sell. And so what do I look at as indicators? Responsiveness. Uh, if, if, and I've, I've heard this, I heard a sales guy tell his boss, uh, he's like, Hey, I needed a response to that on the weekend. Why didn't you respond? He goes, oh, I don't, I don't work on weekends. Well, if I look at traffic to development sites, that's actually the highest point that they come because they're not at their job. Dumb. Uh, if you don't respond to text messages or emails, or you don't show up, you're, you're late to meetings. Like those are all indicators that they're going to do the same thing with the candidate. Cut it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, a good friend dev person is always pushing deals forward nonstop. I mean, I'll get the text messages at on the weekends and on the Friday nights and like, and we'll make it right. But it's always moving. I mean, it's, that's an important characteristic. Yeah, you're sure. And so, and even that statement, if you look at it at, as work versus your, your networking relationships, I was talking to another salesperson uh, this morning uh, and we're talking about how the pipeline typically gets dismissed. The value of the pipeline or the network gets dismissed to the franchise salesperson. She has a multi-unit candidate that came in six years ago. And wherever she's gone, they reach out and they go, tell me about this brand. I'm in, I want to buy the right thing. And so they reached out again and I go, what's interesting about that candidate, the reason they're still in your funnel is one, you helped facilitate a deal years ago, but they check in with you every six months because of who you are as a human. And so they trust that if you're at brand X, you know something that they need to know. So that candidate has been dismissed as cold by all these organizations. And so the salesperson continues to, to have a relationship with them. That's the type of person that I want in my organization. I want, I want my salesperson, when they go to my annual conference, I want to see my franchisees come up and give them a big hug and say, thank you so much. You told me everything that I needed to expect. You were honest. You had integrity. And everything I bought... I bought, you, you did it right. Yeah. And, and you see that relationship. I, I mean, I see it all the time, right? Especially negotiating that third, fourth, fifth deal. It's like, Hey, well, you promised this and you could see it in the conversation, right? There's that respect there for sure. But look, if you have the right culture, the right leadership, you're going to have the right salesperson. And if you don't, it's going to be very obvious. So, I mean, I think organizations that go long-term with the wrong salespeople probably have the wrong leadership team and culture. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a symptom of a bigger issue. 
And I do, I do think it takes time. Like you got to give someone time and they got to be able to articulate what the pipeline looks, looks like, like even in, in our organization, like we, we've, we've been working on building out our sales team with SDRs and head of sales and people that can be out there from a marketing standpoint. Uh, it, you know, it takes three to six months to figure out, get the sale down. But at that point, it's time to perform. And if the if whoever the salesperson is said, here are the assets that I need to go win on your behalf, and you listen to them and you don't put red tape on it, then you know, if they're not performing at that point, then you probably have the wrong fit. I will say, like, we got fired from a client. This is probably 2013. Maybe 2013, yeah. Uh very close with the CEO. He stood up in my wedding. And I got a call. I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. Got a call from him. He goes, "We're gonna. I'm giving you the heads up. Our company is gonna fire you." I said, "Dude, you're the CEO. You stood up in my wedding. We're friends. Why would they fire?" He goes, "Because my sales guy said this is the agency that he needs. And if I tell him no, I will give him an excuse." that he can point to and said, you did not give me the assets to go accomplish. I, he's like, I got aggressive goals. I got to let him pick his, make his decisions on what assets does he need to get the job done. Now that guy got fired six months after, but the point is I understand that too. So if the salesperson says, here's what I need, great. Charles, you want a thousand units sold. I need a billion dollars to go make that happen. You're like, great, here's a billion dollars. And if you're looking at the indicators, Three months, there's no funnel. Six months, it's excuses. Nine months, you're still spending and nothing's turning. Then you might have to pump the brakes. But if you if they can show you, here's the indicators of how it's working and here's when it's going to turn and you you take that 6.4 months that we've used, then you got you to gotta give them room to, to make it happen because franchise sales is arguably the hardest thing in the world to sell. Agreed. So our conclusion, <laughs> I mean, it comes down to KPIs, Nick. It really does to KPIs and data. And I think it's pretty obvious when you need to fire your sales team. Because yep. a, a good development director is doing many things and they're making deals happen. And and if if he or she isn't doing that, then we need to look at the KPIs behind the marketing and the, the resales and the multi-unit purchases. Remember, though, a salesperson cannot put lipstick on a pig. Yep. So if they don't have autonomy to help guide your business, can't blame them for everything. Blame them for everything. And in closing, just so that you can see, I have no idea who this is, but someone said, well said, Mr. Powell's. So oh, man, that, that sucks. Saying, it's a rare. It Usually sucks. it's like. Nick's an idiot. Those are my favorite. It's like Nick talks a lot. Why is he negative? I like those comments. Let's go with those. Nick is negative. Fire Nick. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, That's Fran X. See ya.